Are you an auto repair shop owner struggling to get customers and increase revenue? Don't miss the first of its kind high gear auto repair marketing conference presented by Leads Near Me. Taking place November 29th through December 1st, 2023 at the Atlanta Airport Marriott. Learn from media experts on everything from Google to direct mail to television and radio advertising, customer relationship management, networking, social media marketing, and using tech like AI as a marketing tool. Discover how to get the most out of your marketing efforts and budgets to increase car counts and revenue for 2024. Registration happens at highgearconference.com. Conversations that are inspiring and educational for leaders in the automotive industry. This is Near Me Radio. Now, here's your host, Ryan Burton. Welcome to Near Me Radio, a podcast for automotive professionals. I'm your host, Ryan Burton. Near Me Radio is sponsored by Leads Near Me, APEC ATI, and the High Gear Auto Repair Marketing Conference, which is coming soon. Our guest today, quit joking around, is Jonathan Sparks, the founder of Sparks Law. Sparks Law opened its doors in 2013, and since then, Jonathan has been helping business owners to use the law in their favor. But how did Jonathan get into law? Well, it's an interesting story. He started off by reviewing artist contracts for record labels. Eventually, he studied to be a politician at George Washington Law School, where he was a legislative aide. However, he soon realized that he didn't enjoy politics. Exactly. He finished his schooling there as a business law major. Before practicing law, Jonathan was actually in a band called, and am I getting this right, Poiesis? You nailed it. Did I nail it, man? Okay, cool. In fact, the band did a few small tours and even opened for Mr. Tom Petty. Jonathan's hobbies include music, of course. Also a car enthusiast, which is great for this show, and he's very proud of his 69 Corvette. Yeah, baby. To Jonathan, his job is all about helping business owners to use the law in their favor. He assists in legal positioning with business partners, helps protect your brand, and pretty much anything under the sun regarding law. His view on it is that the world of law can be overwhelming like the controls of a jet airplane. And it's his job to help explain those controls and help business owners understand the law better. So in addition to his legal career, he's a singer-songwriter with rock-infused tracks with a touch of blues. How is this intro, man? Jonathan has launched his solo music career recently and is already selling out venues in Atlanta. He's married to his beautiful wife, Marla, with two kids. Please welcome to Near Me Radio, my attorney, my concert buddy. Yeah, come on in on the set now. My friend, (laughs) Jonathan Sparks. How you doing, Jonathan? Ah, I'm great, man. Yeah, good morning. Good to see you. Good to have you here, my friend. And, And let me do a quick disclaimer. I think this is very funny, but I'm going to do it anyway. So quick disclaimer. The information provided on this program is for general informational purposes only. It's not intended to be legal advice. The discussion of legal issues or topics in this program does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you require legal advice, please consult with a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction. Silly. That's very important right there. Yes. It's very important. important. So I've dropped the legal disclaimer. Yep. So, um, And you. we're going to start off today just asking a quick question. Can you help anyone listening to this podcast? It'll be people all over the United States, obviously maybe not in Canada, but people all over the United States. So you can help everybody. Yeah, can, can't do Canadian law. My, my little brother started a business in Canada, and, and unfortunately, I couldn't help him out. But everything else, all the United States people, um, people. and I also have a, a <laughs> United States people. I'm sure they're good people. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of um, other law firm owner friends. I'm well networked, and we have actually like a similar law firm owner conference to, to what you're looking at with High Gear. Um, so we're 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 all we all know everyone your networks you can so, help so yeah. and what i am originally from canada as well so i can help translate any of those big american, <laughs> american legal words to our canadian you just, friends you just add a to a. the end oh, yeah. you know, a? we a? didn't need to go there then, okay we didn't we, <laughs> we don't say a a so and and by the way they can find you at sparkslawpractice.com so you know as you're listening to jonathan today if you want some help so let's get into this let's talk legal matters and of course leads near me focuses all our energies 
time and talent on auto repair shops who we love very much. So let's focus on auto repair. Obviously, business is fairly common, normal. There's a lot of things that uh, uh, that pass any sort of industry, but let's think auto repair. So um, starting off, I want to know common questions you get uh, from people calling your firm. So what are common legal matters that you deal with on a daily basis? Uh, yeah. So when the pandemic hit, we had a lot of uh, partnership problems, you know, because some some industries were doing better and some were doing worse. And, you know, those changes caused a lot of issues for people. Um, so, you know, if you if a client, for example, had not made a good partnership agreement to start with, you know, the, the second you're having it reviewed by a lawyer is is probably bad news for the, the partnership. Sometimes it's good, but most of the time it was bad. So, um, uh, you know, we, we, we help them out a lot with, you know, partnership divorces, God forbid, or if you're, you know, people were in a partnership and they just wanted to make it better and make it make more sense. Um, we can help out with that too, but we also do, you know, trademark stuff and customer waiver forms and pretty much everything under the sun for business owners. So you noticed as we went through COVID, uh, there was a lot of business partnerships dissolving and business uh, struggles and challenges. And we obviously know all about that. Uh, the auto repair business was considered an essential service. So mm-hmm. we were all able to soldier on um, and, and a lot of people weren't quite as lucky. It was very challenging for a lot of industries. So it was mainly financial hardship that created these partnerships dissolving. Is that what sparked most of it at that time? Yeah, it sparked most of the problems. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, I was surprised at uh, all of the partnership breakups. I, I think any partnership is is a lot like a, a legal marriage. You know, you're you're sharing all of these things. You have to have a lot of trust with your business partner, and there's a lot of you know legal sort of scaffolding or framework that you you need in place. And um, most of the time, people just don't think about it. You know, they they get something from you know like a uh, a BS company like LegalZoom or something, and then they just sign it and they put it into a desk drawer and they don't think about it uh, until there's an issue. And then, of course, it's often very bad, sadly. Yeah, it's critical to read contracts and know what you're getting into and really consulting with a qualified attorney. Using a music example, you know, the story <laughs> of John Fogarty from CCR, right? Oh, I mean, John right, Fogarty yeah. in the early days signed a, a deal for all of his music and he doesn't own any of that music and literally has never made a penny. He actually got sued by the people that own his music for a song he recorded as being too similar to a song he wrote. He, they were accusing him of plagiarizing himself. True story. That actually happened. I think wow, the song was Center Field. It was a hit. And wow. So yeah, but I mean, he didn't read his contract correctly. So what you're saying is it's very good to have an attorney look over agreements. What do you think of partnerships? I mean, do you think that's something that, uh, um, you know, do you think it's a good thing or bad thing? I mean, it's think, tough, man. Saying? I mean, you know, like, so if you're a, a small to midsize business owner, you know, it, you're probably going to want to save on taxes, right? So you, you do things to save on taxes, like you expense some things that you would normally have as a personal expense, but you expense it through your business account. So gas, you know, or uh, health insurance for yourself and your, your family. Um, you know, and there's a myriad of other things, you know, computers, you know, even, uh, you know, internet and, and cell phones and all of that. Um, but, you know, the if, if it's just you that owns it, you know, no one's going to bitch, right? But if you own it with somebody else, that person is like, you're, you're getting all of this stuff paid for comped by the business, you know, company car, company cell phone, you know, company health insurance or whatever. And your business partner might not get that, you know? So if it's uneven, um, that can create tension, you know, and, and, no matter how nice or wonderfully reasonable people are, if if there's a an, an imbalance with that, people get ticked off over years, you know, or over time. 
And there's also the, the whole thing with who's going to work in the business and are you required to work in the business? And if you are required to work in the business, how much do you have to work in the business? Is it a 40 hours a week thing? You know, can you take vacations? What do you do if um, your business partner has something go wrong with a family member and they, they want to jump ship or, you know, somebody dies or they need to take care of, you know, their kids more than before when you started the company? All of these are huge questions. And, you know, unless you sort it out from the get go, no one's going to, you know, fix it for you. So it'll be it'll be a tough negotiation point later on. And and when you're entrenched and you have a, a partnership agreement that you signed, even if you didn't know what was in there, what you were agreeing to, you're still bound by it. You know, like you're a big boy. That's what you sign, you know, and people, when you start a business, everybody's open and reasonable and like dreamy and happy to make changes. But, you know, when you're 10 years in or two years in even, and you're making a bunch of money, you know, you got spouses to deal with. People have a living expectation, you know, uh, lifestyle and, you know, people get pissed off and they're not willing to like change a small line item because they, they just don't want to and they don't have to. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm well, I think what you're saying is, no, well, yeah, I think what you're saying, like any, any agreement, you've got to really go into it reading the fine print, thinking about the future, trying to set that agreement up for success, right? Is that part of what you do too, making sure you, just, you set up these agreements for that future success with partnerships? Yeah, so we, we have a proactive approach, you know, and, and we're all, you know, flat feed with our stuff. Like we, we, we don't want to, we do not want people to have to litigate things because litigation is, you know, the expense is endless. I mean, you're looking at 50 grand to start for most litigation cases, even if it's tiny. So, you know, let's avoid that with like a $1,500 contract, you know, like <laughs> years in advance. We had this partnership. Um, they did a great job. Uh, they, they spooled their business up from, you know, zero to four and a half million in annual revenue within about two years, two and a half years. And this other business partner was like, you know, he read through the, the contract that they got from Rocket Lawyer. And it said that the majority partner who owned 51%, which is this douchebag, <laughs> could, um, I don't know if I can use words like that. Well, you just did. Man. I'm not editing <laughs> that. <laughs> thing, so I, I, I guess it's okay. I've been waiting for these things to get dropped on the show. I thought yeah. it would be me. By Anyway, go <laughs> So anyway, the majority partner at any time could buy out the other minority shareholder who had 49% for book value. And this company's book value was like some equipment worth maybe 10 grand, meaning that he only had to give him 49% of like 10 grand to buy out this company that just made four and a half million dollars in the prior 12 months. Like what on earth that is insane, but that was how the contract was written that they didn't read, you know, God bless them. We were able to get them out because we, we leveraged like, you know, problems with that. We leveraged the social thing, you know, like we're like, Hey, we know everybody that you know, and we're going to let everyone know that you're an asshole. <laughs> wow. But I don't want to have to do that, man. Like if it's in the contract, then you're safe, right? Wow. Okay. So attorneys are using the the social card there. Holy smokes. You have to. Like, it's the only thing you can leverage, you know? All right. Let's talk about trademarking. Um, first off, like my question was going to be the benefits of it, but I think maybe for some, let's explain it. Let's talk about it. Leads near me is a registered trademark. You actually handle our trademarks for the company now. And um, unless in the middle of the night I get ambitious or something, but <laughs> I'm not bored. But anyway, I, I emailed you though. I sent you an email. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, sorry, sidebar there, tangent, but uh, or squirrel. But talk about trademarking. Um, you know, for people that don't fully understand it, because I think it's really important. I, I think it's something that uh, we've helped a few shop owners get their names trademarked over the years. We know some that do. It's not incredibly expensive, and it's a, I think it's a good idea, but maybe you can explain it uh, to our listeners. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, so we do a lot of, you know, business sales and purchases, right? So asset purchase agreements or, you know, stock purchase or whatever. And usually the most valuable asset being bought by far is the, the trademark. It's just the brand name. It's the right to use that brand name in commerce, right? Uh, so, you know, if you're selling a company for a million dollars or, you know, 10 million for that matter, and 90% of the value is allocated to the trademark and the goodwill associated with the trademark, you got to own that asset, right? Like you can't sell what you don't own very easily. Uh, so, and two, you know, buyers, if they are in their due diligence period, ready to buy your business, and then they realize that you don't have it appropriately registered with the USPTO, for example, they can just use it, you know, and you, you don't really have a very good legal case against them. You do have like a case, but you know, we can get into the deets about how it's rather worthless in practical terms. But if you have a registered United States patent and trademark office awarded trademark, uh, it's yours, you know, and you can prevent other people from using it, or you can sell the asset to other people who will pay, you know, 90% of the purchase price typically for the right to use that. You can also, uh, stop other people from using the same trademark or a similar trademark in all of the United States and U S territories, you know, Virgin islands, Puerto Rico, etc. So it's a big deal. It's a big flipping deal to have a trademark. Um, you know, so auto repair shops, right? I mean, and I'm not going to just rattle off names of them right now um, because, you know, I mean, who am I going to say, right? I'm going to miss somebody and they're going to, why don't you say my name on the show, right? But anyway, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to have to go through every one of our clients if I do that, that was, right? So That uh, same thinking is is why we invited like no people to our wedding yeah I, yeah fall. and i was one we of those like, no people yeah, by you, the you way. were not i was I like was if i invite one guy like one guy <laughs> everyone's gonna be like what the hell yeah. i still feel that way by the way even though you, i still <laughs> take it kind of personal but but anyway actually i appreciate you not inviting me i don't you know i don't really want to you know what I mean? Like, oh God! You're not a sappy, when is it? What day is it? I've got to go there, and I've got. You're to like, yeah. You this is what I wear up. every day. Like, I don't need. To, I know. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to. I show up like this. I'd be like, you okay, wear it on stage. Yeah, yeah. let's do this. Um, so, trademark wise, so without rattling off a bunch of names, I mean, are they challenges to get trademarked? I know that there's some common words and things like that because I think. Shop owners are going to hear this. They're going to, you know, they might call you. They're going to call somebody else. They're going to look into it. I, I think they should and would. But uh, tell me the success rate or some things we need to look for in our, our brand uh, to determine yeah, whether it's trademarkable. Good questions, man. Uh, trademarks are the, the, the legal trademarking process is the most artistic or one of the most artistic that I do, I really enjoy doing it because you got to think outside the box. Um, so if you have a registered trademark, it protects your mark against anyone else's similar marks. Okay. So for example, if someone tried to trademark banana computers, they would probably get rejected. Like you probably can't do that because it's so similar to Apple computers. It's just another fruit, you know, so that the, it's a totally different word, you know, and it doesn't even sound like Apple, but it's another fruit associated with computer stuff. Right. So, you know, when we're looking for a trademark to see if it's available, I got to get really creative and think of all these different iterations of the mark, how it could be confusing, what marks are already registered and out there and the, the legal footing that they have, you know? So our success rate is very high, but it's very high because of the fact that we do a deep dive analysis before we do any kind of application. So what I do is I go out there, you know, I'm, I'm coming up with all of the different iterations. It's usually about 150 different versions 
or things that we find that could be confusingly similar. And we scope all of those mark owners out and we see, are they registered? Are they in your same territory? When did they start? Could they register? Do they give a shit? You know, are they going to register soon? Would it be an issue if they did? Are they in the same industry as us? You know, uh, so all of these questions come up and then with this analysis, we give a suggestion to our clients like, yeah, we, you got the green light to go on this. This one's a bit of a yellow light, you know, or this one's a high risk. This is a red light. Like I would not move forward with this trademark. When you submit a trademark application, you're making a sworn legal oath that you are the only owner. Brian, Brian's getting nervous. You're talking. <laughs> you are to the me. only. We, why are you, you are why, the talk only to the listeners. Owner. We'll talk about this after. Stop it. Why are you, you were talking to me? Just stop. No, it. I wasn't. I didn't Tell mean to. Everybody else look, this information. You're like literally gulping. Yeah, no, I, I'm good. I did some research, but no, I, so we'll you talk um, about that offline. Anyway, go on. So, so you you're making a sworn statement right under perjury that you are the only owner of this trademark and there's nobody else that has a similar one or the same one such that if you, you know, if it gets rejected and if somebody else finds your application, which they will, cause they monitor it, they can come after you and you've already sworn to being guilty basically. So you can't say that you're not guilty in that spot. So it's kind of dangerous. It's a bit of a minefield and you got to know what to put into your application based on what's out there and, and what you're trying to achieve. So there's a lot to it, you know, and, and people, I think people are confused because well, sometimes we call it like a trademark search, you know, and they're like, well, I do a search. I've been doing Google searches all my life. Like here we go, you know, but it's not, it's not, just that it is a search, but you know, that's a legal term of art. It's a, it's a trademark search that you have to have some years of legal experience to appropriately do. Um, so yeah, I, I, I hope that gives you kind of a window into the world of trademark law. There, there's a lot there. <laughs> nice. Uh, so let's talk about creative ways that shop owners can retain employees, right? We want to keep our employees and, and let's think about that from a legal perspective. How can we better maintain our workforce through proper um, legal setups and legal development? That's a cool question. Yeah, I mean, it, usually, you know, technicians are, they're, they're not incredibly legal savvy, typically, you know? Like, I, I in my experience, you know, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like get a guy retained in the same way that you would get like a tech company salesman retained, you know, like the things that are important to each person is, is going to be pretty different. Um, but you do want protection for your own business, right? I mean, you, you want to maintain talent. You want to, you know, you're going to do some serious training with these guys and you don't want them to jump ship and take that training and go work for a competitor, you know, that would stink. I mean, it's hard to, the labor shortage is, you know, very real right now. Um, so you can do that from a legal standpoint with, you know, simple, but effective, you know, restrictive covenants, right? So, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to make an investment into you, man. You know, I'm going to pay you for a bunch of this, time that I'm just teaching you the ropes, you know, or my team is teaching you the ropes and that's all fine. I'm happy to do that. However, if you quit or if you need to get fired for some reason, I don't want you taking that training to a competitor and, and making the market harder for me. You know, it doesn't make any sense, you know, so we're going to restrict your ability to go after my customers you know, for leads near me. Nice. And I'm going to restrict your ability to, from uh, going after my other employees who we've also trained, you know, to go to competitors, right? Um, that's just a, a non-solicitation provision, right? It's like a paragraph long and, you know, most states allow for it for around two years. It's different in each state, but um, 
but you know that's that's super helpful and and i don't find that these tech guys like uh technicians i mean balk at these agreements very much i mean they pretty much just sign it and and it's you know they don't look at it unless there's a problem you can also if you have like a, a gm you know like a manager that you want to put in a more executive level role there's a lot of really cool ways that you can give them equity without really giving them ownership in the company um it's called phantom stock that's like an awesome legal technology that you know gives them a bit of a like a piece of the profits you know so they're incentivized to you know expand the business and all of that um you know you, you can do a quasi franchise structure with some people if you're like really looking to expand and you want some guy in you know another state or uh, city to spool up a new shop you know you can incentivize that growth and you know own a sub company with them yeah i want to look out for and I know you didn't mean it this way, but I want to look out for people listening as well that our techs or our, say, district managers that we do some of these agreements with, are, do they work for them too? Like, I mean, if we have the protectionary aspects in place, how would it protect the tech to sign something like that? We understand how it protects the business owner. How is it good for them? Yeah, it protects the employee because they're they're guaranteed these, you know, these bonuses and this income, right? Um and, and otherwise, you know, they're really not, <laughs> right? So there's a lot of uh, business owners that will, you know, put out a carrot out there and kind of dangle it. And then when it becomes time to pay up, you know, they just don't. They're like, oh, we'll do that next quarter, you know? Or I know I promised you profits or, or a bonus, you know, if you did that, but, you know, it's tough now. Like we've got, I don't know, lower sales or something. I mean, you're, they have signed this agreement and employment law wise, they have to pay up, you know, and, and that's, that's huge. So if you're looking for upward momentum, I mean, that's the way to do it. So it memorializes the agreement. It makes it more official and, and, and people are more likely to honor it. So yeah. Yeah. So, um, stuck. sorry, I cut you off, man. Um, the, so an oral agreement is binding if you just, just on a handshake, you know, it's binding technically, but how are you going to prove it? You know, how are you going to prove that it took place? Like you have to have someone that overheard it that's on your side and heard it your way, you know, so they need to testify like, or be deposed and agree with you. I mean, that's, that's a pain in the rear and it's probably not going to be worth the legal cost to like try to prove it. Right. So if you write it down and if it's signed, they can't break out of that contract. You know, it's, it's simple contract breach. You owe me this. You can take it to the Department of Labor. There's a lot of government agencies that will help too. So, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about trusts. Um, maybe we can start by explaining to anybody who doesn't know what a trust is, what is a trust and, and your thoughts on it. I mean, should you get a trust? Should it be revocable, irrevocable? Uh, talk a little bit about your experiences there and uh, your feelings. Uh, trusts are are very cool. We've had that legal technology for hundreds of years, so it's one of the older ones, uh, and it's there for good reason. It, it it's it's basically a way to better guarantee that you're going to be able to pass on your uh, your kingdom that you've built if God forbid something happens to you you know, unexpectedly so that your heirs will get it even if you're incapacitated or in a coma or you pass away or, you know, whatever, even if you get divorced, you know, like the, it, it, it all flows through to the people you want it to through the trust. So legally speaking, a trust is a separate legal entity from you. So it's a legal fiction, but it's a, it's treated as if it's, you know, like it's got its own social security number, basically, and it survives you. So it keeps going. This is a huge deal for all business owners because, you know, if you get your business, if you die and you don't have a trust, it goes into what's called probate. Okay. I'm sure you've heard of this. So in probate, they open up the estate and when they do that, it flags all of the bank accounts and it freezes those bank accounts. 
So once the bank accounts are frozen, how do you pay people? You know, how do you keep marketing going? How do you, you know, how do you even take in money? You know, there's an issue with that. You know, can your credit card processing company still send in payment? You know, it, it's all questionable. And then they're going to take that, those frozen assets, and they're going to attempt to distribute it after pro probate is done to whoever you named in your basic will. And, you know, the business is typically, I mean, it's certainly my biggest asset, you know, but it, it, it only has that value if it's in a, a trust or if I'm still alive. So if I die and I don't have a trust, the business is just, it's going to freeze up and it'll be, it'll be done. And I can't sell it, right? My estate can't sell it. You know, all this legal stuff is so serious. <laughs> it really is. Man. It's like, Let's I mean, just people, talk about cars. Yeah, I mean, they're listening, and it, I hope they're listening. We may have lost people. I think there's a little heat chart yeah. to show me when people, you know, kind of tune out of this thing. But no, this is really good stuff. <laughs> this is really good stuff. No, it's important. It's important because what you're talking about, it's, it's you know, it's all no big deal and fun and games until something serious happens. And you need to protect your family. You need to protect your business. And actually, you need to protect your family. I mean, that's really, you know, what we're all responsible for. And this this really does that. And obviously, your employees and your people that work at the company to make sure that, you know, in the unlikely event of a water landing, that, uh, you know, <laughs> yes. unless you've got Captain Sully, you know, um, the you know, you're probably not going to be at work the next day. And, uh, and you got to get the team going forward. So this is important stuff. So... It's, it's not uncommon for an auto repair shop to have disputes with clients where legal action is threatened. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some suggestions you could give someone on dispute resolution? Man, there's so much. Um, one of my favorite pro provisions to put in a, a waiver form, basically. And I mean, let's be honest, like they, they very rarely read these contracts, you know, so they, they're going to you for the service. And they're just going to check a box or something when they put their credit card in, you know, to sign it. But legally speaking, that's plenty. You know, if, if they had the opportunity to read the contract, you know, they're they're grown adults and that's all they need. One of my favorite things to put in there is, hey, if we recommend a service and you reject that service, it is your ass. <laughs> I don't know what to call it, legally speaking, but that's what it does. Right. It's like, hey, buddy, like this, this belt is going to go like you maybe got 30,000 miles on it or, you know, 3000 miles, but it, it's going to go. It's just a matter of time. So you might as well have us replace the belt, you know, or the radiator or whatever it is. And if they don't and then they bring it back and they're like, oh, this happened, you know. If you have a contract that says that you're in a wonderful position and there's really no case that they have against you. You know, um, another thing is, you know, who had their hands on the engine last or the, you know, the, the, the suspension, right. Um, you know, you need to waive that. Like if you, if you just do something, obviously if you inspect it, that's not a big deal, but if you do anything to it, if you just change the oil, technically you had your hands on it last, you know, so we need something to say, Hey, we're only looking at the oil. <laughs> like I'm not checking your cylinders. I'm not, you know, none of your ignition stuff. None of that, right? We're just checking the oil. So, um, yeah, it, it, waiver forms, you know? I mean, these are, you know, half-ton rockets going like 80 miles an hour down the road in bad weather. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and everybody looks at their cell phones while they drive these days. So, you know, yeah, what could possibly go wrong? We are talking to Jonathan Sparks with Sparks Law, business attorney about all things related to business and aligning it with your auto repair shop. So we talked about, you know, disputes and contract resolution kind of uh, on the, you know, the back end of things where, where it happens in a courtroom or behind closed doors. But you alluded to this earlier on social media, right? I mean, where we, where we take our thoughts out um, publicly on, on the social channels. 
And, you know, and I hear this all the time from people and I, I coach them on how to get reviews taken down from a customer service perspective, but it comes up a lot. People are like, I'm going to call an attorney and I'm going to go after this guy for leaving a bad Google review, right? So maybe you can talk about if you've ever been involved in that, if anybody's ever retained you over a bad Google review and your thoughts on hiring an attorney related to a bad Google review. Yeah, uh, I... I'm a little triggered by the power that, you know, people have over business owners with Google reviews and social media reviews. I, I, I don't think it's appropriate and I don't think they should have as much power as they do, but it can, it can really mess up a company. Just one negative review, you know, I mean, I hate it. <laughs> okay. So, that said, it's still defamation. You know, we, we have had laws on the books since lawyers began where you can't lie about someone else without their being able to sue you into the ground. You can say your opinion, sure. You can say, I think these guys are bad. You know, I didn't like my experience. You can say that, sure, that's fine, right? But if you say that they cheated you, if you say that they are fraudsters, if you say that they, you know, are criminals or any of these things, the scathing reviews, right? Uh, you can't legally say that, right? Or you can, but it gives us business owners a great opportunity to sue them, you know? And it, it's, it's crazy to me how often We've been hired a lot over the last 10 years. This is kind of a big thing. You know, I've, I've probably sent a thousand of these cease and desist letters, you know, and they're highly effective. Like people need to shut the heck up, you know, and they do. I mean, it's powerful. If you send a cease and desist letter from a, you know, law firm letterhead, certified mail, it looks a lot like a lawsuit, you know, and a lot of people think it is a lawsuit. And we're threatening in there, hey, you've, you've got $50,000 in trackable revenue losses that we can sue you for, you know, right now. And it's ongoing. The longer you leave this BS review up, the more damages you're incurring and the more that you have to pay us. And it's a real deal. We can and will take you to court. This is real dollars for our company. You need to change it, you know. In my experience, 90% of the time or more, they will take it down immediately. And then it's a matter of like settling over what you're going to do in the future. The remaining 10% might leave it up or they'll try to like make a ghost account and do another bad review, but it's obviously them. And that's all trackable too. I mean, Google has, you know, they ping your IP like they know, they know it's you, you know, you're guilty. And we can find that data from, you know, a subpoena. Um, but yeah, I hate negative reviews, man. You know, if you, if you did something wrong, like, sure, you know, like, yes, if it's the truth, like that's what you get. But if it's, if it's, you know, just accusations for people that want a discount, you know, like, yeah, go after them, make them stop. It's my two cents. And it, well, it's, I mean, you've actually, what you said is, um, you think it's a good path if they get there to retain an attorney to look at a Google review that's, you know, defaming, right? That's something that's, that could hurt their business. So that's what you're saying. And I, I don't know that I say that all the time. I say, look, you know, you've, you know, take this approach and I don't know how well that can work, but, um, in, in the auto repair business, you know, it's, it's a tricky business, you know, because you're working on their cars. There's a lot of parts, you fix this thing and then that thing breaks and they're, they don't know what's wrong. So they figure, you don't know what you're doing. It was never your fault. I mean, 99% of the time, these really good people, uh, these these technicians and mechanics, are they're not doing anything wrong. Uh, but you're so again. I mean, I guess Jonathan can help anybody with this. Or what what type mm -hmm. of attorney would someone look for in their local area if they wanted to find someone, Jonathan? What what type of just a business law attorney would help with with a matter like that? Yeah, I mean, they don't they don't have to be local. It's just you know they have to understand you know, defamation law on the whole. Um, it's just shocking to me how little, so, so people just have this belief that they can post anything 
and and threaten to you know do negative reviews and and leverage that to get a discount you know but that's really not always the case i mean it, more often than not they say something in there that is quote unquote actionable for an attorney and and it's real dollars you know i will say that for the most part the business owner doesn't want to actually go through with all of the lawsuit because that might cost them you know 50 grand to, to do it right and it's just not worth it at that point but if you wanted to you could you know and you could probably get back you know um a serious amount and you can put in your customer contract too with that waiver and everything that they have to pay you for any anybody that wins the lawsuit right they have to reimburse for attorney fees which is a big deal um yeah i, I feel like i had yeah okay so just personal experience right so I have a, a 69 Corvette and that's the patent for it back there in the back. And it breaks down all the time. It's a 69 thing. You know, it, it's so retro modded. I even question if it's like an original anymore. Right. But it, you know, that's just par for the course. That's what happens. It's not the mechanics fault. It's because I want to drive a 69 Corvette. I like how it looks and sounds and feels and, it's got a stick shift, damn it, <laughs> you know, as it should be. But, um, you know, if I took that, you know, anger from, from it breaking down and, and threw it at, you know, the poor mechanic, you know, a lot of people do that because they don't know cars. So people listening will be happy to know you run a very successful, uh, very well-run law firm. You're, you know, you're oh, a business attorney and you run a great business, right? So I've had time to get to know you um, and know all those things. So let, let's let's talk to our business owners now who some people are going through difficult times. You know, they're listening to this as a companion to to get energized and get ideas. And uh, you're also in great shape. You know, I mean, I know you you work out regularly and uh, you're, uh, you know, you take really good care of yourself. And, and these are all components of success, I believe, you know, mind, body. Uh, family, company, you know, these all, all these things weave together, right? And you're a real mindset guy for success. I want you to talk a little bit about, we're going to kind of end on this topic here because I think you really okay. have something to give with this, Jonathan. I think, you know, you and I have talked, you've really pep talked me a few times with some great ideas and inspiration. So maybe talk about. Aww. You've pep talked me too, brother. Like <laughs> many Aww. times. Aww. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Aww. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> uh, we're, we're doing Without this. even knowing. Got to get the. The, the bro hug here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but let's talk about some of your mindset strategies for success. Maybe, we'll, and again, we'll end on this. Um, maybe talk about books you've read or things that you might be able to impart to a, a fellow business owner or a leader in a shop, maybe the district manager or a, a lead technician or something. Uh, share some of your success strategies and mindset techniques. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. Um, okay. So the biggest mindset thing I think that I just am always circling back to is to focus on what you want. You know, what do you want out of this? You know, I understand the situation is kind of shitty right now, whatever it is, but what do you want? If you had a magic wand, what would you have it do? You know, uh, because often, you know, it, it's not magic, but if you focus enough on what you're looking to achieve and get from this situation, that's actually what you get, you know, maybe it's 90% of that, you know, but that's most of what you're going to get. You get whatever you focus on. So I think as a society, we spend a lot of time focusing on negative stuff, you know, like for some reason we get a lot of uh, social attention or maybe sympathy for being in that kind of victim mindset. You know, it's just we as a people, not business owners. But when you're a business owner, it's like the school of hard knocks, man. I mean, it's you and the concrete, you know, it doesn't matter. Like the, the customers don't care that you had these problems. They don't care that you're working 60 hours a week. They don't care that you had a fight with your spouse. They don't care that you're, you know, in the midst of a divorce. They don't care that you, your, your two top employees just quit and now you got to do the work for them. Like they don't care. They just want the stuff from you that you're selling. So you got to put on a happy face and like do the work. You got to figure it out. And that's really 
really psychologically hard. And in my experience, the only way to successfully do that is to always look forward at what it is that you want, no matter how dire the situation, how much of a struggle it is, how much you're in the mud, like where every step is, you know, difficult and it's dark and you can't see very far in front of you. Look at what you want, focus on that and just think to yourself, I know it sounds insane or crazy that I could get there because it sucks so bad right now. But if I were to get there, how would I do it? What are some things like get your mind in a creative mode and open it up to thinking instead of about how much this sucks, you know, think about how you could get there. You know, if in a crazy world I got there, what do I think would happen? What would I need to do today, right now, to get there? And uh, it's a shift. And I've been there many times. And, you know, for the most part, when, when I'm working with a client, you know, once every year or two, there's a significant spot where we got to talk them through this. And if we can keep their focus on what it is that they're looking for, what they want, we can get them through it. And it's, it's, it's awesome when that works. Nice. Sparkslawpractice.com. That's the domain, right? We go to, to, to find mm-hmm. Jonathan, if we want to continue the conversation, actually, I just realized something. What business attorneys got cool rock and roll tattoos? Can you show a couple of your tattoos to the screen? Come on, let's look at this. <laughs> I just stuff. had one. So yeah, I, I mean, uh, come on. Is there you want? Who do you want to work with as your attorney, man? Come on, look at this. Because <laughs> most of our techs, man, they're they got sleeves. They're all tatted up. Ryan right. has no tats. I've had no time. You got to take you me need to your some. guy. I, I, I'm gonna get. You look one. like a I'm sexy not, baby. <laughs> well, come on. But I gotta get. I gotta get a few. So you gotta take me to your guy. We gotta do this and. Uh, so, but we're going to leave um, with one of your songs. I thought it'd be cool to kind oh, of segue okay, exit. So, cool. so we're going to play that after we introduce it. I'm going to let you introduce it. We'll say goodbye. Then the song is going to play. Uh, but uh, so we're going to pick one. I thought, could we pick one that our mutual friend Ross Childress plays on, is involved in? Yeah, sure. Um, Let, well, let's tell yeah. who Ross Childress is really quickly. He actually wrote the theme song for this podcast for Near Me Radio, so that's Ross. But Ross is the founding guitar player of the band Collective Soul. He's such a monster. If you think of any of those great songs oh by God. Collective Soul, that is Ross's work. He, he is truly a visionary and artist, and uh, he's worked with um, with Jonathan as well. So maybe we, let's pick one that he fiddled around on. You can do an intro and then line it up. I'm not going to say anything. We're going to hit play on the thing. Sound good? <laughs> yeah, I don't know which one to do. He's done. He's done like six or seven. Uh, gosh. Uh, oh, let's wow. do. Uh, let's do. Marry me to the world. He, he worked on that one, and he did some really cool, really awesome like strings and horn parts. And I mean, the guy's such a monster, like you said. Uh, but it's a it's a happy song, and it's kind of about what we were just talking about, man. I mean, with mindset, like. The lyrics are about, you know, hey, it, it gets hard, but just give it all to me. I, I want all of life, you know, like I'm here for it. Life is great, you know, like even the tough stuff, even the uncertainty. Well, let's hear the tune. I'm going to introduce it like my old radio DJ days. Let me see if I can do this, okay? So, <laughs> yes. all right, all right. So let's do this. We are going to hear now Jonathan Sparks. Wait, what's the album called again? Let's... Oh, um, you don't know your uh, album title. Got you I, don't long, long. I don't even know it yet. <laughs> well, this is good. We know that he can think legal. He doesn't get wrapped up in music. Okay. Well, while you're figuring out the, okay, well, figuring out the name of your album, I'm going to introduce it again. We'll, we'll put it in the footnotes here. Okay. We'll put a link to it, actually. So, anyway, one more time. Ladies and gentlemen, right here on Near Me Radio is Jonathan Sparks with Marry Me to the World featuring Ross Childress. Here we go. Yeah. 
The tech shortage problem is not going to solve itself. That's why it will take organizations like APAC ATI to emerge with solutions that will bring relief for shop owners. APAC ATI is a nonprofit organization that helps veterans, the recovery community, formerly incarcerated persons, and those who need a second chance and a shot at their dream career as a skilled automotive technician. They offer no-cost training and a hand up for anyone willing to do the hard work it takes to learn to repair every vehicle the right way. APAC ATI, educating and empowering skilled labor and making a difference. Learn more about the program or sponsor a new student at apacati.org. That's A-P-A-C-A-T-I dot org.